0: It was a new low for the Boston College Eagles on Saturday as they were run out of Doak Campbell Stadium, forty-four to fourteen against the Florida State Seminoles. An ugly game, in all three phases. It was. It's definitely not something that we want to talk about, but we're going to have to because this is what we do. All this and more today is Locked On BC. Locked on BC, A.J. Black. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. I'd like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked on College Network. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Terms and conditions apply. Locked on BC here. A.J. Black. Well, we saw it. We lived through it. It's time to talk about it. B.C. absolutely thrashed. By Florida State on Saturday, forty-four to fourteen, a game that was out of control within the first five minutes of the game, first first play of the game. I mean, it started with a uh, you know kickoff return touchdown, and then just went downhill from there. And I'm joined by Mitch Wolf. Mitch, let's let's chat about this one. What what happened?
1: <laughs> uh, do we have to? <laughs> we have to. <laughs> I, I, I
0: this is what I what I'm paid to do. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think I might need a raise. (laughs) If it keeps going like this, we might need to talk about restructuring. Uh, Yeah, I mean, when Benson, when Trey Benson, the Florida State running back, probably hit about the 40-yard line, I was like, okay, this is just going to be comically bad. And it was. I mean, with six minutes left in the first quarter, uh, Florida State was up 21 to nothing, and the game was all but over, you know, with about 80% of it left to play, if not more. So... I mean, everything that went could have went wrong. Pretty much did, especially in the first half. And you know, by the time BC kind of got a few things turned around, it was just it was just too too big of a mountain to climb.
0: Yeah, I mean, it it was a mess. And it it, it as we as I kind of alluded to at the beginning, it was all three phases of the game. Like you start off with a kick return touchdown. Jakovic throws an interception on his first drive, and then the defense couldn't stop anything. Let's mm-hmm. let's um let's get into some of your talking points, Mitch. What's the first thing
1: you wanted to bring up? Um, so I think the first thing I want to say is is like, I think Florida state is, is very good. Um, I know they haven't really played, you know, LSU is kind of, we're not really sure what they are yet. Uh, Louisville, we're still not really sure what they are and BC obviously isn't very good, but you know, even I think Florida state's offense is really playing well. I mean, I think Jordan, Jordan Travis was awesome, you know, playing, even though he was hurt, you know, he, he didn't have any designed runs. And even without that, he absolutely just lit BC up from the pocket and occasionally on scrambles. Like, there was one play where Ezraku had Travis like in the in the pocket, dead to rights, and somehow Travis turned that into like a sixteen yard scramble. It was insane. Um, but I mean, there were just like on, on the last touchdown in the first half. You know, they kind of explained how BC was in this too high shell, and they shifted coverage towards the big receiver Johnny Wilson, and essentially they left the wider side of the field uh, to Jane Woodby and whoever was in coverage that they were receiving the other side. And the other receiver they said like was their like fourth or fifth option. And so like, that's what you, if you're a BC, you're like, okay, like Jordan Travis, like we're going to cover your main option. We're going to force you to throw like a one-on-one matchup to the far side of the field to a receiver. You don't have as much chemistry with. And if you make it, you make it. And he did, he like threw an absolute like dart to the, like, it was like a perfect throw to the end zone guy caught it. You know, I think he mossed kind of mossed the defender. So like, that's kind of something that I talk about is like, you know, some the other, the other team, especially Florida state, like they are, they're on scholarship too. Like they have good players too, and. You know, throughout the game, I mean, Florida State's skill players were just bouncing BC defenders off them. Like Trey Benson had his kick return whenever he was running the ball. Even their receivers, like Micah Pittman had a few of these where they would try to tackle him. Guys would just bounce off them. And it's just like this team is just you can just they're on a different level from from a physical standpoint. And that goes to size and strength and speed and athleticism. Like, you know, I we'll get into like the effort later, but I mean, there were just times where it was just so clear that Florida state had such a talent and skill advantage over BC.
0: And that, I mean, I'm sure BC fans don't want to hear this, but that's a, that's a credit to Norvell. He's done a nice job of putting that program back together Mm -hmm. um, and, and bringing in athletes that fit what he wants to do. And, and as you mentioned, Jordan Travis was a big time example of that. Now I want to talk about the offense for a minute here, Mitch. And it was, it was, I, I mean, if we wanted to sit down and talk about what was the worst outing, you could, you could flip a coin between this and Virginia tech and, and uh, either answer would be correct. It it just Phil Dracovic. I I don't know. Like you, you you feel for him for, for some sense, because he's getting hit nonstop. And I thought the offensive line did a better job in this game. I know fans don't want to hear that, but even the pro football focus grades for the offensive line, which will be up on uh, Sunday evening, um, dictate that they did play better in pass pro, but you know, the, the cumulative effect of getting slammed for three straight games, I'm sure probably still weighs on Dracovic. I mean, he just did not look comfortable back there. He's not making the passes that he used to make. I mean, you mentioned it on Twitter. There was that long pass that he missed a wide open Zay flowers by four yards. Mm-hmm. It felt like mm-hmm.
1: um, it's just, is his, is his confidence just gone? It seems like his confidence is just gone. So I'm not so I'm not sure it's gone. And the reason why I say that is because kind of in the second half when he started playing a little better. And I think part of that was, you know, Florida State maybe, you know, playing simpler defenses, you know, not being as aggressive. But you saw Phil kind of like just play a little looser. You know, he started kind of, you know, trying to scramble out of the pocket. You know, I thought I thought he made some nice plays. Um, and I and then kind of reflecting on the first few drives, like he just looked so tight like when he just looked like his whole body was like tensed and locked up and i think that's where you see him struggle in the quick game because he's so tense in those moments that he has those bad throws and you know that's what led to the two interceptions to zay on very short throws even the first play of the game uh for bc after the kick return you know he throws a ball and i think on that incompletion to zay or where he was running a, a short crossing route I, th- I, I i was surprised they didn't call holding on the de- on the defense because they were pretty much interfering with Zay like right as the ball was being thrown so that was surprising and then similar play on third down i think there was some pressure and that's was that was the first interception where he put the ball behind zay and that's what caused it to intercept and that's something phil has really struggled with in general is putting balls behind receivers and not allowing them to maximize yak or putting the ball in ri- at risk but again like i th- i'm not sure his confidence i think honestly i think he was he just gets too juiced up early in games and is like you know i need to be the guy and, I, and especially now where he's like this offense line is bad. Like I need to like be the hero and do all these and like do everything right. Make the perfect read, make the perfect play. And I think in the second half, he might've just been like, all right, like, you know, this game is basically over. Like, you know, let, let's just try to go out there and, you know, just try to put something together. And I think that's how he played a good bit for the last two years. And obviously, you know, sometimes that got him in trouble, but I, I think you need to kind of, you know, somebody needs to get in his head and be like, Hey, like, listen, man, you, you got to chill out. You just, you know, just go out there." and try to make a play. And I think part of that was them saying, hey, we don't want you to scramble as much because we don't want you getting hurt. So, you know, don't go outside the pocket as much. And, you know, he kind of internalized that for the first few weeks, but I'm hoping now they're like, listen, like, man, like, you know, we're backs against the wall here. We're at rock bottom. We're going to let you be you come what may. And, you know, we're sorry if that gets you hurt. uh, But it it seems like that's like Phil wants to play that more reckless style. And I think he knows the, you know, the what comes with that territory. So I'll I'll be interested to see how this team looks moving forward on in on that front at least.
0: Yeah, I miss the plays. You don't see them as much. And it might be just the McNulty versus Signetti differences here. Where you know Dracovic was best in 2020 when he would roll out. And well
1: I would say that being, would they, like got hurt, out her, but they're doing a lot of that. They are doing a lot of rollouts. Um and like like even the I think the touchdown that they had, it Phil's, I guess, his only touchdown, where that was a really nice play design where you had the tight end kind of leak out as the the first slider, the first slider and the defense went with that, but then they also had broom kind of follow him underneath. And that's almost like if you watch the chiefs a lot, they do this a lot in the low red zone where they'll kind of leak a, a very obvious receiver out and then kind of throw a shovel pass behind it. And that is usually wide open. And this wasn't obviously a shovel pass, but it was kind of a similar concept, which it worked well. And I I was very interested. That was kind of an interesting play to break down.
0: All right, in a moment, we're going to talk about the defense and the big issue leading into this uh, – after this game, effort and tackling. It just seemed like a big issue. We'll get into that in just a moment. Now, these days, every new um, – sorry. Having a bit of an issue here. Every new – potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be a hundred percent certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn jobs help you find the right people for your team faster and for free that all you need to do is head on over to LinkedIn jobs and add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are hiring simple tools like screening questions, make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience. So you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs. Number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to and faster post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college that's linkedin.com slash locked on college post your job for free terms and conditions apply all right locked on bc aj black here and watching this game was obviously it was frustrating on a bunch of different levels if you're listening to this right now on youtube hit the comment section with what you thought we'd love to hear your your thoughts about this game as well and we'll be posting them on the on the screen so hit the comment section if you have thoughts about this game but you know i think the one of the the most concerning and and, and really frightening things about the 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 outcome of this game was was the tackling and I, you know watching it you saw just so many plays and i know Mitch talked about it in the first segment about the the, the athleticism of Florida state and how fast and, and physical those guys were, but it just felt like BC was just either not interested in really making tackles. It seemed like there were a lot of arm tackles there, or they just couldn't get guys to the ground. And uh, the, the stat that really stood out to me is when I went on pro dot you know, this has been a, a hellacious year for the Eagles and there's been some really bad performances in different areas of different parts of the game the BC had their worst grade in one area for this game. And that was tackling and they scored a 35, which is well below anything that I've seen for the Eagles this year in anything, including most of their offensive line um, grades. So that really dictate, it really shows like just how bad it was. Mitch talk to me. What What, what did you notice?
1: So this goes back to my point. I think a lot about athletic about Florida State. That, uh, Florida State's physical advantage over BC because, like I said, like a lot of times you saw like guys would approach the ball care like with with pretty decent technique and like the proper form, and they would just bounce off the Florida State player like. Benson like that Trey Benson running back like I was saying to you like I think that dude needs to hit the transfer portal and go someplace where he can be the primary starter because he is crazy like he's obviously like they said he's like the fastest player on the team but he's also 215 pounds and can just you know run through tacklers like no problem um, the other thing is is like when in this kind of game when you're a player who's like you know trying your hardest to just run to the ball and that's where you're putting all your effort just to get there you know, that put, and this, I'm not saying like this, this is almost, it's kind of a double-edged sword in that when you arrive at the ball carrier, like it's just gonna be hard to stop your momentum and then a good ball carrier can use that against, against you. So I think you saw that a good bit. I mean, and essentially like if you're just in, like there was the time where uh Jordan Travis, when he had that scramble, like he made Aziraku miss in the backfield. I like, think he made a defensive tackle miss in the backfield. And then once he got in the open field, he just set up Vinny Palma well, miss made him miss, made Elijah Jones miss. So You know, some of these just came on one play where it was just one guy having a crazy run. Um, But I mean, the one like the one, the biggest surprise we have, like for the tackling is Jason Matry, who got credited with four missed tackles. And Matry is despite his size, is usually a very sure tackler. Um, So you saw him get embarrassed a good bit in this game. Um, But like I said, I really don't chalk this up to lack of effort because I I think you can I think I think people just want to say that because it's kind of an easy crutch. Then you can just kind of rag on them without doing any actual critical analysis. But I mean, if you look at how this game developed, like obviously, you know, Florida state takes this 24 point lead um, BC punts back and then the next few drives. So they, they turn Florida state over on and Florida state wasn't kicking field goals because they don't trust their kicker, but I digress, but they turned Florida state over on downs in two consecutive drives. I know they got them to fourth down on a drive earlier. So, and, and a lot of these, these fourth downs, like they came down to like making a tackle in the hole and like saying like, we need to stop you like right here, right now. And, you know, I know Vinnie De Palma had a big tackle like he did against Maine and plays like that indicates me like this team is not losing for lack of effort. Like they are, they were trying and like, you know, I know Florida State had some nice plays later in the game, but like they also, they forced some punts, you know, they weren't out there just lollygagging. I think they really were trying hard to win this game. I think, you know, you look at some of the, the post game comments from the players. Like, I think this team does have a lot of pride. And I think that this, this game was definitely a wound to that pride. And I think they know like, Hey, like, you know, we were not the weird, I think the, they knew, they knew, they knew coming in that they were going to have a talent disadvantage. And When you have that, you need to kind of play the perfect game, make no mistakes. But because all the mistakes got compounded so early, it put them in a terrible position. And I think you even look at the offense, same way, like when guys would get tackled, like the rest of them, like guys would run, run, run right over and help each other up. Like if you're in that position, like the guys are just like letting each other kind of everybody, every every man for himself, that that's the bad thing. But I think you saw this team, like guys were, you know, going to each other. I think, you know, Hasselbeck talked about He's like, this is a situation where you learn about a lot about your team because, you know, there's really no hope that there's going to be a win, but, you know, you really learn about the guy next to you. you learn who, I think, half said, who's paddling the oar, you know, in rhythm, who's not, who's, you know, who's pointing fingers and who's being quiet and just going back to work. And I th- I honestly think that even though the result is really bad, I, I think you saw BC show a lot of heart uh, in a game in a, in a game that really just got out of hand quickly, but they still said, all right, you know, we've got a game to play, so we're going to go out and do our job as best we can.
0: I think that's the hard part too, right? Like, yeah, that, that's that,
1: exactly like, this is like when you're a, if you're in like high school and you like take a test and you're like, well, if I don't study and I get an, I get like a bad grade, then it's like, Oh, that's cool. I didn't study. Whereas if you study and you get a bad, grade, you're like, oh, I wasted all this time and I still got a bad grade. And that's kind of what happened. Like BC had all this effort and it still didn't matter. And I think, I think fans don't want to admit that. I just want to say, Oh, the team doesn't care. They don't want to play. I think they did. And I think they just got outclassed. They got outclassed by talent and outcoached and, Sometimes yep. that just happens, and yeah, I, it, I I don't. I'm not, I'm not trying to like excuse the performance. Like it was bad. And like obviously, like there were you know play issues early in the game. Like like I said, you know, like this is another game where a special teams mistake really came back to bite them. Uh, you know, Jerkovic had those bad plays. You know, I'm not. I'm not saying like they're not like they're totally excused, but Like Phil's got to be better. Like he's got to you know not make those key interceptions that you know put the team down super early. Uh, you know, the defense has got to be smarter in terms of you know how you're attacking with your angles. Like, how are you breaking down? How are you approaching a ball carrier? But I don't, I think, I think just saying it's a lack of effort or, Oh, this team clearly didn't practice all week. I think that's just lazy. And it's, I don't think that that that's, it doesn't really inspire. I don't think it's worth having a conversation about then. And I just, I also just don't think it's accurate. So there's really no point in saying. You're
0: going to get some angry BC fans at you later Mitch. I hope you're ready for it.
1: (laughs) Well, they think they're the main character in the story already. So I don't really care. (laughs) <laughs> All right, we'll get into that in just a moment. But I want to
0: also talk about Halfley and I want to talk about the state of this program right now. And, you know, where do they go from here in just a moment? We'll we'll get into that uh, after this after this break. Locked on BC AJ Black here joined as always by Mitch Wolf. And we are discussing the Saturday's game against Florida State, an ugly, 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 ugly loss for BC. One of the worst ones I've seen in a while. Um, But before, if you're enjoying this, you know, what I'm going to ask you to do is hit that subscribe button for Locked on BC. Make sure that you get, notifications of all of our new videos as they come out we'll be doing these i do these every day um and we'd love to have you there join the comment section uh become a subscriber it's free doesn't hurt and helps the podcast all right so we're talking bc fans here and they're rightfully very angry and you know they, they're they just like every other college football fan And i think that's a credit to bc <laughs> that there's fans out there that are are uh, passionate enough to get as angry as Texas A&M fans or Miami fans who are going absolutely nuclear. Absolutely. I,
1: I was just going to say, don't be, don't, you know, be, be glad that there isn't a nuclear reactor on campus in chestnut Hill because you we've seen fans who threatened to detonate it. If there's a bad loss.
0: Yep. Yep. So now, now we're at, at one and three and you, you've got some scary games ahead of you. I mean, uh, the 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 call for blood for some of the fan base is already there they're out you know i'm getting dm'd like are you gonna write about firing halfley and blah 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 and I, i'll be the first to admit the, the 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 shine on him is gone and it's now time to put up or shut up right like it's you're on the year three now and there is this is a disappointing year you gotta figure things out and The season is lost, but it's not completely lost that they can still figure out a way to kind of turn it around, show progress, maybe pull a win off or two and try to get some things going. I mean, Mitch, where do we where does BC
1: go from here? I mean, I I don't think they're going to fire halfway and I don't think they should. And the reason my first reason why is that when people say they want people fired, they're typically like that will somehow solve everything and you're losing a head coach. So you have to promote somebody to be the interim head coach. And I believe one of the few people on the, on the staff with head coaching experience at the college level or above is Rob Chudzinski, who has NFL head coaching experience. Uh, I don't think Tim Luku has been a head coach. I don't think John McNulty has been one. Um, And I can't remember any of the specific assistants off the top of my head who might have it as well. So it's like, okay, you want to fire him. That's great. Who do you want to promote? And, you know, if you're a fan who's frustrated with the offense performance, you probably want to see like, well, why would we promote the offensive guy? And if you're frustrated with the defense performance, well, why would we promote the defensive guy? So I think that firing him, one, it creates more problems than it solves. And this isn't like the NFL where you can like kind of fire people and then like, all right, like we'll tank and then we'll get a better draft pick. Like if you fire somebody in the middle of the season, that's, going to go worse for you because you're going to lose recruits and you're, that's going to be a stay on the program. And you could argue that keeping a bad coach is a stain on the program as well. But I'm still not convinced half is a good, is a bad coach. Some people almost would agree with what I meant to say, or what I was, I thought I was going to say. Um, but I, I think this, I think this is definitely a crossroads moment for Halfley. And, and I think that, you know, some people that after the, you know, sting of the loss kind of wore off, they're like, you know, like maybe we had overinflated expectations this season a lot of stuff just kind of didn't go Halfley's way. And I, I kind of played this out in a in a comment on the board where I was kind of thinking, like, I wonder if almost the COVID, the extra COVID year kind of messed up how BC was going to handle the offensive line. Because, you know, guys like Ben Petrula, and you, uh, I guess, you know, you could argue Zion, but he was obviously very good. And you could kind of argue Alec Lindstrom as well. Um, you know, they stay this extra year. And that kind of pushes all the development down a road. So, and I'm wondering like if some of them had left or even if Tyler Vrabel, who again, wasn't the best player, but I mean, he's still in the NFL practice squad and he's been better than Jack Conley at Nick Thomas. You know, I wonder if instead of having this complete overhaul, the offensive line, you know, injuries aside, obviously you have a more gradual succession from kind of those late era Adazio guys to the early halfway era guys where you work them in one by like two at a time or one at a time, instead of four at a time, or now five at a time with mahogany being out. And obviously then there's the injury compound. And I think people are kind of calming down after those transfer portal comments where I, again, I I think Halfley did explore the transfer portal. And I think that sometimes you just come up empty. Like, you know, like I said, BC has a lot of limiting factors when it comes to the portal and especially linemen. Um, You know, just saying there's like 300 some linemen in the portal doesn't mean that they're all, you know, possible i think you would call them takes for bc you know guys they, they right. can't just, like bring onto the roster so and i think that i think if you could do it again you know they'd probably try a different strategy and i think that this is you know again he is a first-time head coach so there are gonna be mistakes so i think you know he says okay like maybe we need to adjust our portal strategy because we have like we have needs to fill yep so you know i i think this this kind of reminds me of and i tweeted this out of the in, infamous adazio um it'll come together and it'll be a beautiful game after getting beat at home by Virginia tech. And, you know, BC re- reeled off a few wins after that, even though Anthony Brown got hurt. Um, and you know, I, it obviously didn't save Adazio, you know, I, I don't think it was even the low pro low moment for his tenure because you could argue is obviously the 2015 wake forest game. But I think, I think at the time the administration rightfully gave him a pass for that year because of all the injuries, um, obviously like, and the, and the, and the defense was good. Um, But, you know, in the in the last few years, he kind of had that moment against after the Virginia Tech game where they, you know, change some things and they reel off some wins. And I'm kind of wondering if this is going to be a similar moment where, you know, this is kind of the rock bottom for the halfway tenure so far. Um, Yeah, I mean,
0: and he's going to have plenty of opportunities to kind of show that they're going in the right direction and and trending, you know, forward. And it's it's tough to watch because. You know, to watch a team that you expected to have the speed to kind of match up with with Florida State, go out there and not be able to do that. I I understand that they're not the athletes that you expect, but when Halfley preaches that he's getting speed and doesn't show it on the field, that's a little bit worrisome. But, um, you know, I I think the fan base, it's it's deja vu again for a lot of them. And it, you know you look at other coaches around the country in some programs that BC might want to, um, you know, replicate what they're doing. And each of these coaches, I feel like have had moments like this where they've fallen apart. And I can, I'll, I'll give you just a couple that I off the top of my head, Dave Clawson at wake forest.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, I think they were pretty, you know, middling for a while. And Dino Babers, I mean, Dino Babers, Two years ago, looked like a dead man
1: walking. Yeah, I mean, we were. Yeah, everybody was shocked when he was brought back, and you know, they. He's obviously to be five and zero after this week. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, because they got freaking Wagner. <laughs> yeah, and and he's got some
0: quality wins in there too. And
1: I say think, I think Syracuse is ranked. If not, they're yep. very close. I'm looking it up now. They are. They're not 25. ranked. They're okay. They're oh yeah, well, right on have, the right. In the, the, depends the on what poll, poll you're looking at. Yeah, the coaches' poll in the AP poll, they have 22 votes. But um, yeah,
0: but if if the if the fan base had their way, you know, Babers would have been gone and you wouldn't have had the, se- they wouldn't have had that type of season. Now, you know, halfway's a different coach than him, but it's fair to say that, like, if you believed in him, and you saw some of those things at different times, which we did see in 2020, not so much in 2021, even though they stuck around in games, they had no business sticking around. And when they had, you know, Dennis Corsell out there, you know, things have hit the fan this year. You know, I think him having the time to figure that out and to see, you know, like he's not going to get fired and, you know, giving him the chance to see next, like the end of this year, next year, is, is this a, a pattern or is this a, is this a something that he's stuck in? You know what I mean?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think that's kind of where he's at.
1: Yeah. And I, I think that that's a really good point. And- you know, I, I don't want to keep dealing hypotheticals because, you know, at the end of the day, the col- the head coach of a college program, like you need to figure out answers when, you know, things go awry in both like kind of in the micro and macro sense. But, you know, if you think about last year, like, let's say like Phil doesn't get hurt and, yeah. you know, they, you know, re- they you know, turn some of those close losses into wins. You know, they go to Syracuse, they win that game. Um, I'm not I, maybe what we'll uh And like, let's say he he doesn't get hurt, so like he's still healthy for the Florida State and Wake games, and they probably lose to Wake still. But you know, and because especially because the team, like the whole team, was sick. But like, it'd be interesting, like if he had had Phil had stayed healthy and had a big season last year, and like let's say like Phil leaves um, after last Phil and Zay both leave after last year, they have good seasons, and then you're kind of then you're kind of doing a whole rebuilding project, not just on the offensive line. Um, Then you know, then this is a tough year, and. You know, but I think then the expectations are just so much lower, and I th- I think people just kind of I, I and I I think we were victim to this too, just kind of mismanaging expectations, and then, you know, the offensive line I think was you know worse beyond our wildest dreams, but you know again I, I think like you said the shine is worn off. You know I, I don't I don't think ha- I don't think Halfley is on the hot seat yet, even you know given BC's reticence to make rash decisions. Like I don't think they'd ever really fire a coach in season unless he like committed a crime or something. Um, yep. or had major NCAA violations. Um, even then, you know, we've seen coaches survive that. Um, but I, I don't think he's going to be fired this year, even though there are rumors about uh, Father Leahy retiring and there is a new AD who didn't hire him. Um, but I think I think he'll get the rest of this year. I think he'll get next year to, you know, see if, the, if he can kind of t- t- turn it around, you know, with a, a kind of a, a really, I mean, that's, that's, what is that? Is that year four? So that's like pretty much yep. all his guys. So, you know, I think that that's fair to give him, you know, a full cycle of recruiting and then you know if next year it's a lot of the same problems if you know they haven't really developed a quarterback behind Dracovic in the meantime and it's all the same issues then at maybe after next year like all right you know we need to go in a different direction
0: I mean you talked about it Mitch like the transfer portal like and like being able to to he needs to be able to one of the things he needs to grow on is being able to look at his roster and say yeah I want to stay true to my guys but if I don't have an answer there then I need to go to the portal. So Emmett Moorhead would be a perfect example for of that, right? Mm-hmm. So next year, if Dracovic leaves, because technically, folks, he has another year left if he wants it, and I don't see him getting drafted. I don't know about you.
1: Yeah, no, um, not at this point. It's it's pretty rough look outlook for him now,
0: right? And he, he I mean, he could stay around and, and figure out it, you know, probably get his stock back up. But if Moorhead's the guy, and he's not ready then that's on halfway that he needs to go to the portal and figure that out. Because if, if Morehead's going to go out there and struggle and I am not reading in anything that he did last night, because that was against the second and 13 defenses for Florida state against a very vanilla defense that wasn't blitzing all that much. And he, you know he was okay, but yeah, whatever.
1: I mean, you, I mean, you saw like like Xavier Coleman led the lead, led the team in rushing for the night, and it all came on that final drive where they were playing light boxes, and he just ran up the middle. And like you're in a normal game script, you're not going to see Xavier Coleman rip eight you know eight yard gains consistently against a, against a defense, yeah, especially they're sacking the box. And you know, I mean, what was more Morehead was like three for six, I believe. Um, yeah. I think he took a sack as well. So he, like, yeah, he had the touchdown, but like he had some of the same issues that your has Like he sailed two easy passes. I think one was to the flat, the running back one was over the middle. So like, you know, and it's at the end of the game. when Like if, like, I know, I know we kind of brought it up. Other te- people obviously brought up of putting him in the game earlier. I think that's a really tough position to put him in, you know, on the road against, if you put him in earlier, it's a sellout crowd that is really in the game. Um, you know, it, it mat- obviously it matters to get, players, good reps in games, but it also matters that you give them good reps that they can actually, you know, are, are meaningful towards the development. And I think, you know, I think Halfley rightfully interpret the situation as, you know, putting him in earlier or, or not, it's not going to be quality reps for him to learn anything. Um, so, you know, I, I, yeah, I'm not really reading into it. I think Moorhead has a lot of the same issues that Dracovic has, you know, he's a big arm dude that can move a little bit, but struggles with the the little things. So I, I don't think we're going to see Moorhead in a, extended capacity this year honestly
0: and before folks call us halfley apologists which i'm sure we're going to hear about we're not we're telling you that we're still concerned about the future of this program we're concerned about where he's at we're just thinking realistically where they're going and for the folks as well i see this a lot that they're like yeah halfley's locked in for five years i'd like to repeat again for like the eighth time how uh, extensions work for college football. They mean nothing. Okay. Mm-hmm. All that matters is the buyout money. So the years do not matter. If it's, it's what the money is compared to the years. Halfly is not locked in for five more years, okay? So don't don't use that as a, a barometer of what BC's doing or it's a bad contract. It's a recruiting tool. that's all it was, okay? Mm-hmm. I, I see it all the time and I'm like, this is maddening. you don't understand what you're talking about. So just a, just another piece with that. So it's the buyout money. if there's a big buyout, then yeah. I could see BC balking at that, but I'm guessing with the way BC works that they're going to put the buyout at something manageable.
1: Yeah. And I mean, like if, uh, oh, geez, I mean, if, if, if it goes badly next year, you know, I'm sure that there'll be a donor that is like, all right, you know, I'll pony up the money to, to pay the buyout. You know, that's how it always happens at other schools. And I can't imagine it'd be different here.
0: Yep. So just, just think about that and we'll, we'll, we'll continue to go down and talk about what's going on and, and everything in between, but we have to wrap this up because I'm supposed to not do shows longer than 30 minutes, Mitch, or I get yelled at. So we have to wrap this up, Mitch, where can people find you?
1: You can find me at Mitchell T Wolf W O L F E on Twitter.
0: All right. And you can follow them uh, at Eagle insider. Uh, are you going to watch the game again?
1: <laughs> yeah. I probably, I think, I think there'll be some interesting things to take out of this. Um, I think it also did. I mean, you know, I'll just watch it once be like, Hey, Florida State's pretty fun to watch now. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's good. They got a big matchup this weekend against Wake Forest. They've got
1: a, they've got a tough, or wait, that might've been Syracuse I was looking at, but actually, no, I was talking about this last night. Uh, They've got a rough skit. So they got at versus Wake at NC State versus Clemson the next three weeks. So, you know, I think we're really going to find out, you know, is this Florida State team for real in, by the end of October. All right.
0: And this is AJ black. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you hit that subscribe button on uh, the, our YouTube page. Um, It really does help make a difference for our site. and uh, we will be back again tomorrow. I will be talking more about this game, looking at some of the ins and outs of what we saw and anything else that we need to talk about. And of course we're going to start talking some basketball to lighten the mood a little bit, because I think we all need it from AJ for for AJ black and Mitch Wolf. Take care everyone.